This episode of the Behind the Wall podcast is brought to you by Dano's. Dano seasoning is all natural, low sodium, and tastes great on everything. Chicken, beef, fish, pork, pizza, and even Bloody Marys. Get your bottles today at danoseasoning.com and use our code behind the wall at checkout. Las Vegas came and Las Vegas went. We've got three new winners across all three series, and it's only the fourth week of the season. On this week's episode of the Behind the Wall podcast, we break down all the action from Sin City. We talk about the Hendrick Motorsports dominance along with who we think is on the hot seat at this point in the season. We have an electric interview with Junior Motorsports' Mike Davis and the hottest takes around. It's the Behind the Wall podcast. Let's roll. Hey, this is Steve Everett, and you're listening to my song, Fake It, available everywhere. Now let's get to the show. This is the Behind the Wall podcast brought to you by Behind the Wall Media. I promise they're not drunk. Hey, welcome back to the Behind the Wall podcast. Thank you, Steve Everett, for the music. Boys, Las Vegas has yet to, uh, it is yet to disappoint. We had last year, both races super exciting, and then we come to this year, all three races super exciting, three brand new winners in the respective series. We saw redemption with Kyle Larson. I mean, honestly, what more could you ask for from this weekend's racing action? Yeah, I really liked the racing. If you heard the podcast last week, you would have heard me talking about how I think it's going to be boring. I think how there's not going to be a lot of passing similar to what we saw at Kansas uh, last year, but it was complete opposite. Restarts were exciting. All three series restarts were fantastic. And then a truck package and cup package is pretty similar. So we saw very four wide, five wide on some of the restarts and it was insane. And I think like the first 20 ish laps, you get the pretty close quote unquote pack racing at the mile and a half. And once it gets strung out, it's still interesting. People are able to keep up past the leader. We had so many battles for the lead. I think it was three quarters of the way through, and it was the most green flag passes for the lead than we've seen in the past like two seasons. So I really loved the race. I was crapped on it last week. All three series put on a show, and I'm just excited for Phoenix. And we talk about it every week, best season ever. This has a shot to be it. Four weeks, four different winners. Kyle Larson gets redemption. It's awesome. Yeah, I absolutely love the race. I mean, I don't know if Mike Joy was just making a joke about it, but he did say in the broadcast that at the point in the, that the race that Joss mentioned, um, this they had more green flag passes for the lead than the Daytona 500 did, which at a mile and a half compared to Super Speedway, you're just like, that's crazy that it happened. But I just loved how it was in the beginning of the race, you know, only lap 54, how competitive it was for the lead. You were three wide for three, four, maybe five laps consistently looking for um, looking for the lead between Kyle Larson, Logano, and Keselowski. And it was just – that's I was on the edge of my seat mainly the entire race. I thought it was a fantastic race. Um, I'm not – I can't remember how I thought it was going to – how I said I thought I was going to go last week. Um, but I never really talked down about Vegas because Vegas is awesome. But um, 
very impressed with the race. And uh, Henry, what did uh, you think about the race, there, buddy? You know, I, I've been I've been gone all weekend. Uh, I'm sure everyone can tell. I'm not in the home studio, sadly. I'm uh, out and about in America. Uh, however, I did catch the truck race with Adam. That was exciting. Got absolutely obliterated in DraftKings, sadly. But you know, John Hunter Nemechek made a great decision to jump down to truck the truck series. You know, he can contend for wins now. He's not going to be in a uh, with a Cup team that is kind of mid-tier. He's with a top-tier truck series team at this point. He's going to show that he can win. So that was super exciting. We saw a great Xfinity race and then a cup race too. I, I'm a big fan of redemption. And what what, what happened with Kyle Larson uh, coming back and winning the race, that's just that's a great story altogether. But, uh, you know, great race, lots of passing. I was – you know, you just don't usually see this on a mile and a half track, but you got to you got to give props to the package where credits due. I mean, the package did its job this past week, and we had exciting racing strategy, three ride, four wide, five wide racing. Uh, restarts were exciting. I mean, at this point, Josh, sorry about it. I don't know how you could talk negatively about this package. I think there's still room to talk negatively about it because we've been to two mile and a halfs. We've been to two of the mile and a halfs that usually have pretty good racing with this package, but I think we're going to need to see more. I think let's talk about this package after Atlanta, a track that usually gets strung out. There aren't the wild restarts that we've seen at Las Vegas and Homestead, and it's just going to be a real tell of how this package has progressed over years. We talked about it, um, or they talked about it on the broadcast. Drivers are getting used to this package. This is what, third year? of having this package in NASCAR Cup Series right now. So teams are finally getting adjusted to it. And now we're getting the best racing that we've had with this package in the past couple years. So I really hope this racing, uh, the racing product stays the same as what we've seen the past two weeks. Because I think if you keep having these races, viewership's going to go up because closer racing, and that's their whole goal with this thing. And the thing that I've kind of set back on is, we got the next-gen car coming next year, and we've seen that the same package that we've had is continuing to get better. And you come in next year and you throw the next-gen car in there, then you got to wait three more years for the racing to get back steady and get to where it is now. And right now I think we're probably seeing the best racing that we've seen in the last couple of years. So throw the next-gen car in there. I don't know how that's going to be. I'm really excited to see that. But let's judge this package after Atlanta and see how it does there. Yeah, I mean – you know, I'm kind of I'm what you mentioned the next gen car. One, I'm excited for that. Two, um, this package on the restarts, you didn't have the leader jumping out to a big lead and then second battling the third and fourth, trying to get the bottom line or the preferred line. It was all bunched up. And so that's what caused the two, three wide. And you know, they you are right. Three years later, you know, they are trying they are finally figuring out how to really run this package, how to really run it well. And while you don't have that much horsepower and you have that giant spoiler in the back causing so much drag on the car holding you back, the only thing NASCAR really wants is, I mean, it's a business, right? So they want exciting racing as well as safety for the drivers. And so you see it from both points of view. And so I think it's ending up great, but it is the last year until we switch up the model of the cars. So it will be interesting to see what happens if they do end up keeping the package and if we have to wait until teams finally figure out how to run it with the car and the package. 
to see if we can get some exciting racing. I'm really hoping it's a quick transition to the racing we have now because we've had the Gen 6 car here for a while, and it finally, like Josh said, seems like we're, we're getting some really good racing. They had to play with the package just a little bit. I, I guess I'd say a lot of bit to get it to where we are now, but this is this is some exciting racing, and Fox Fox said it best, best season ever. But, you know, there are a lot of people or a lot of drivers who are not having the best season ever. So I want to take a minute and just get y'all's thoughts on who you think is on the hot seat this early in the season. Like I said, no, it's early, but, you know, you, you got to start thinking about it at some point. We are a silly season podcast. We thrive on it. We love talking about it. I'll go ahead and start, though. And we talked about it during the team previews. Uh, with the top tier teams, you've got to win. You've you've got to you've got to find a way to get yourself in victory lane because not only is that gonna it, it not only does it bode well for the manufacturer and the team, but it also brings sponsorship dollars in. So right now, just based on not necessarily how he's performing so far, but his team as a whole, I got to say Alex Bowman has got to be getting a little sweaty here. Just because we're this, we're four weeks into the season. Two of his teammates have already won. Kyle Larson, he's been in the ride. This is his that was his fourth race with Hendrick Motorsports, and he's already rolled up and gotten a win. William Byron's gotten a win, and it wasn't a super speedway, so that that bodes well for him. Chase Elliott, we know he's going to get multiple wins this season. So I, I'm under the assumption that Alex Bowman is he's he's got to feel a little pressure at this point. Um, He's run very well so far this season. However, running well means nothing unless you're able to catch that win. And he had a great opening segment of the season last year, and I'm I'm expecting him to ramp up here real soon. But, you know, with Hendrick Motorsports and how good they've been this year, I don't know if y'all feel the same way, but if, if I were him and in the situation he's in, I'd, I'd feel a little nervous at this point. I mean, granted, it's so early in the season, but – Nevertheless, you've you've always got to be nervous when your teammates are winning and you haven't found a way into victory lane yet. Yeah, I guess you have a cause for concern, but at the end of the day, he was running ninth when a tire went down there, and he got he was top six in both stages this week. And I think after a rough start to the season, this race was what he needed to push up. He's 18th in points right now, uh, behind Ricky Stenhouse and Chris Buescher for the playoff spot. But I'm going to go a different direction. I'm going to go second place in the point standings right now, Brad Keselowski. Miller left him last year. They Last race was, I think, the Coke 600, and he ended up winning that race. But his contract expires after this year. You look at where's Matt DiBenedetto going to go? Where's Austin Sendrick going to go? Austin Sendrick's obviously going to the 21 next year. But say Matt DiBenedetto goes out the second half of the season – and goes and get went goes and gets wins and ultimately battles for a championship at the end of the season. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think Matt DiBenedetto is that great a driver. But Brad Kozlowski's contract is expiring at the end of this year. He's running low on sponsorship, and at the end of the day, he hasn't won a championship since two thousand. What eleven? It was eleven or thirteen. It was one of the two. But I have no idea. Sponsorship feeds these drivers that's what they have to go get and brad kozlowski isn't pulling in sponsors that cindric and logano are so i think from a money standpoint he's got to be the one to go ryan blaney's there i think till the end of 2022 joey logano is not going to leave he's still 
winning a bunch of races. But Brad Kozlowski needs to have a very stellar season, pick up a bunch of sponsors, or I think he's gone in that two seat. Yeah, I really just want to know what you've been smoking on or drinking. Like, literally, please, tell me. It's reality. It's It sucks no to shot. say that Brad Kozlowski <laughs> is in the hot no seat. No shot! They talked about him last year possibly not getting a ride back, and he got a contract extension. There are talks about him filling in for the 48 car before they sign Larson. Well, that's Brad Kozlowski is in a hot seat, and he owns no a business. Sh- he could go pursue that and start his truck team back up. We don't know what's going to happen with Brad. I will, I will say that Molson Coors did not leave him. They simply transferred the sponsorship with Miller Lite to Keystone Lite. They're still with him in a, in a drastically reduced uh, scenario, but Molson Coors is still with Brad Keselowski, so your facts are wrong. All right, well, I'm just going to roll into mine. Uh, mine makes more sense. I got beef with this guy. He cost me about $49.38. Um, but his name is Eric Almarola, um, Stuart House Racing, definitely in a hot seat, not producing anything. Um, and personally, you know, you look at the stats right now, two DNFs, he's led one lap this season, average finish of 29. And I just, I just don't know what else he's, what else he's going to do. He's not able to produce. And, you know, his, the only thing he's probably got going for him is his long, sponsorship with Smithfield. That's about it. He's not producing much on the track. And so if he's able to bring on a big sponsor and then keep that without any talent coming up behind him, pushing him, then that's it. But once someone gets right behind him, then he's gone. He's done. Yeah, I think Eric Almarola is in a similar spot that Michael Annette is with Junior Motorsports and Xfinity. They're there because of sponsors. He's had pilot shoot with him since like the start of his cup series career and even though he doesn't have that much talent i think like year after year they're in a hot seat because i don't know you look at Stuart haas unless riley herbst really performs these next couple races or the rest of this year i think eric armorola is pretty safe in his ride but i think anybody could come in there and steal that spot from him so i agree with yours i wish i could roast you with this pick but it's kind of smart ah good one but um yeah, Eric cost me forty nine dollars. Thanks, Henry. Really appreciate it. Uh, gosh, don't copy line. You know, I, I wish no. I oh. wish I could have. I wish I could have beaten you again, but you know, leave it to Adam Thomas to find a way for uh, DraftKings to Whoa. delete them Whoa. behind the wall. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. You you were the one that set it up this week. Notice how we've done it. Two weeks in a row, no issues, and then Adam Adam puts it together, and all of a sudden it disappears on race day, so no one can put their picks in. You know that that's that's definitely a story for wager, but whatever. Uh, Don't get me started. Let's go ahead. I will go. Oh, uh, okay, okay. All right, let's go ahead and jump into this week's interview. Uh, we talked to Mike Davis a little while before we he surprised us on the Pocono Raceway podcast. Shout out Pocono, all the great people out there. Dude, they put they put on a fantastic podcast. Go follow on social media, uh, check them out, listen to our show, or in all the other shows. But we got uh, the opportunity to speak to Mike Davis once again. Some hard hitting questions, absolute blast. But let's go ahead and get to it. 
This is the Behind the Wall podcast. This week we got Mike Davis, but before we get to the interview, just want to give a shout out to our sponsor. This interview is brought to you by Dano Seasoning. Add some spice to your life with some Dan Good Seasoning. Use our code Behind the Wall at checkout. Mike, good to have you back. We uh, we met before on the Pocono podcast, but it's good to get you on our own turf here so we can pick your brain for a bit. Man, I'm on your home field turf. Yeah, it feels totally different. You know, uh, Pocono, it feels better than Pocono, actually. Uh, so, well done on that. How y'all doing? Pretty good. Can't complain. You know, we've, we're, this is, this is week four of the NASCAR season, and it's been exciting so far. Uh, but, you know, this, this interview is all about you, so I guess I'll go ahead and just jump into it. Uh, first question, you're managing, you, or you're a brand director for Junior Motorsports along with digital content stuff. So, what kind of do you do you find that you have a financial benefit to having drivers with a large person or large and loud personality like a Noah Gregson? Oh, what a, what a good question right out of the gate. A financial benefit? Um, I look at it as a benefit. I don't think I look at it as a financial benefit. Maybe there is financial benefits to people like Noah Gregson, but let me tell you this. I'll answer it this way. The first driver I ever worked for was Jimmy Spencer. Okay. Y'all familiar with him? Yeah. Okay. Yes, sir. Um, at this point of his career, I, it, it was definitely winding down. Um, so I don't know how much financial benefit that necessarily was, you know, for whether it would be the race teams. I mean, he, he got fired in my time with him. He got fired by Chip Ganassi in his first year, the Jim Smith year. I went with him in 2003 to cup. We had a sponsor, but then it, that was sort of short-lived. I guess my point on this is I don't know how financially prosperous the Jimmy Spencer, you know, time was. From a brand standpoint, it was invaluable for me. I mean, like, wouldn't trade it for the world. Are you kidding? I was a PR guy. I didn't have to work that hard, to be honest. I was willing to work hard, and I hope I worked hard, but I'm telling you, I didn't have to to generate attention. Now, sometimes it wasn't positive attention. You know, when you slap another driver in the face and he's still in his car and he gets suspended a couple of weeks. You know, some might think that's negative, but we built uh, some a lot of great PR opportunities with Jimmy, and I it, it allowed me, from a creative standpoint, to – to do things uh, that otherwise I wouldn't ever have had the opportunity to do. I looked at Jimmy Spencer and then I look at Dale Jr. Uh, who then I went to work for in 2004, um, completely different types of personalities, but both very valuable to me from a brand standpoint and, uh, and for their own respective reasons. You know, J Dale Jr. is not brash, but you know, I think that there's a brand of authenticity with each of them. You know, you know what you got. And I think there's there's value to that. So, you know, I just don't know how, like, so going back to Noah, like, I look at Noah the same way. Like, Noah, the, the day I saw him, the day he was in our shop, I was like, man, that kid is raw. I mean, raw. He's going to be fun for whoever his PRF is. But you know what? I, but I say that as a compliment to him. Exactly. Because of what I came from. And I look, I, I, I would much rather, are you, I would much rather have that than Paul Menard. What are you, what are you going to do with a Paul Menard? Now that's a good point. Actually, 
is Paul Menard financially? Uh, what, what was your question? Financially beneficial? Is that what? Is that how you asked? Well, yes. I think so, considering his dad owns that chain of you know, like yeah, there's finances there. It, that that thing covers the bill. Would you want him to build your brand on? Probably not. You want someone like a like a Gregson. I mean, I would especially after this past weekend, and you see his uh, post race or I guess uh, post crash interview. Someone like that, they, they can drive content. They can drive clicks. I mean, they're. I'm looking at it from your standpoint. I, I'm seeing this as a gold mine. Yeah, look, you're gonna get days where you're like, "What, dude? He's a kid." I mean, you're gonna get them, and and you're gonna go. You're gonna sometimes get aggravated, but I'm just telling you, I look at these drivers and I find value in 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 places that you can't go replicate very easily. Like it's in their, it's in their fabric. It's in their DNA. That kid right there. There's a lot of things people can say bad against him. They can call him, you know, Hey, you know, his dad's got deep pockets and therefore he pays his right. You could say, Oh, he, you know, doesn't respect his elders. I, I know better. I know how much he, I know how much he invests. I know how much he uh, works at his craft. I know how much, you know, uh, these personal tax bother him. I, I think his style is just, it's, it, it is what it is. And I think that he's going to mature and one day probably regret some of the things as we all have, we all have things we've regretted back when we were that age and you guys are sort of that age, but I'm telling you that there, there's things that uh, you may regret having me on this podcast and you'll be like, God, if we were smarter, we'd have never done that. That was a fail. So, but yeah, you live and learn. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. And I just want to jump into talking about um, Dirty Mo a little bit. And the question I got for you is how the, when Dirty Mo sponsored Ross Chastain last year at Darlington, um, was it cool to see a company that you've helped grow so much um, have that brand on a race car in a Cup Series race? Look at that right there. Isn't that a good looking car? Beautiful. Yes, sir. That's a pre-pro right there. I'm, uh, for all you podcast listeners, I'm holding this beautiful diecast car of our 77 from Darlington last year. Um, all right, what was your question again? I got lost in the beauty of that diecast. <laughs> yeah, no worries. It was, um, what was it like to see a company help grow so much over the years on a race car in a Cup Series race like that? Uh, it was amazing, and it... It wasn't why I did that, um, but it was amazing. It was uh, it was an opportunity that came up, and I, um, you know, I, I kind of look at us uh, to be similar in, uh, in in terms of our work ethic and our brand is that is that Spire Motorsports. Like I, I don't think, you know, I I just it was just an opportunity and it was the right fit, and and, and I took it because um, you know. I thought it would produce good content. I, I exactly. didn't think that I was going to get the ROI necessarily in the, uh, you know, Joyce Julius or Repucom reports of the race. I wasn't sure if you were going to see our car, to be honest with you, um, you know, on, on the broadcast or whatever. Um, but I knew that being on that car, I could generate a bunch of content myself and, I know that, you know, down the hall is a guy named Joe Mattis, who basically is the Titan in the licensing and merchandising industry. And he could, he could 
you know, put out a T-shirt. And, and by the way, I knew that Dale Jr. would be behind it because we were going to let him design his T-shirt. And then, you know, so just like it, it gave me an opportunity to make some content. And, um, and so that's why I did it. But, you know, when I see that, when I see Dirty Mo Media brand anywhere, you know, I, I do have a sense of pride. Um, anything that you really kind of like work really hard on and you see it uh, start, you know, start to manifest a little bit and uh, you see the fruits of your labor. I mean, yeah, it feels great. And, um, and, that, and that's the feeling. I, I, the other thing is I went to the race. I went to Darlington and that was at a time when nobody was going to races. And we had been in quarantine for a while. And so I was just glad to get out of the house. I would have bought that sponsorship just for the field trip. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to tell you another thing, Adam. Yeah. Nobody knows it. Like, when is this podcast going to drop? I got to know uh, right now. Tuesday or Wednesday. Okay. So I'll give you this. Uh, I, I'm going to on a show, uh, probably on next Tuesday's show, I, I'm going to reveal that we're going to be on one of these uh, dirt cars at Bristol, not Cup, not NASCAR. What is it that I, is it IMCA? Uh, these uh, dirt cars, um, a buddy of mine has one and, and, and Dirty Moe's going to be on it. And I'm going to tell our guys on the show. And uh, I'm just as proud of that. I mean, that, yeah. that's, that's fun. I Like, you know, these are the guys that are going to go. They haven't been to Bristol and they haven't run. The, the driver of this car has never even been at Bristol Motor Speedway. Wow. They are literally the guinea pigs on this dirt track. They are going to be the first ones on. They are going to wad up stuff. I mean, they are. Um, but uh, I think that's – I would rather do that than go overspend somewhere else in some sort of advertising thing that I would, uh, you know, not really get the personal satisfaction. And, and so a lot of that stuff is, is that. Like, I haven't told Matthew Dillner yet. These guys are going to geek out over that, you know. That's really cool. I, uh, I understand what you're going by because we have a couple guys who run our racing schemes, and, like put our logo and as you it's on the cup series car. It's, it's such a sense of pride, but just like seeing your brand on anything is really cool. But we talked about your story when we did the Pocono podcast and how like you got into racing, but I want to know who had the biggest influence on you when you were entering the sport. Oh, biggest influence on me um there were several first of all i credit jimmy spencer um on a lot of things and he doesn't even know how he would have influenced me and stuff uh but uh in in terms of the business that i'm in um you know look the people that took a shot on me um they didn't they didn't even know what they were getting. So you always feel indebted to the people that, you know, took a chance in hiring you. Um, and, and there was a company that doesn't exist anymore, but it was called the Motorsports Decisions Group. And Danielle Randall was the boss and I'm still friends with her today. Um, and, uh, it, and I credit her a lot. Um, you know, I, it, I feel like I've, I've always been a writer at, at heart and, and I still consider myself that. And so, you know, I have a lot of places that I drew inspiration in terms of how my style of writing is. Um, 
a guy by the name of Roy Exum, who was my boss in Chattanooga. Uh, I was a high school kid and then in college and he hired me and, uh, you know, I just always sort of emulated a lot of his, his uh, writing techniques and stuff. I, I just, um, you know, I'm trying, I could come up with a bunch of lists actually. I, I could come up, you know, there's a guy named Mark McCarter who, uh, when I was in college, I don't even know how much of this stuff I've revealed to you guys, but like there was a guy that had no, no business helping me out. I uh, didn't, uh, uh, Mark McCarter just put me in touch with people, just put me in touch with people that just to help me out. I was still in, in Georgia Southern. That literally led to my job and, and, and I would have never realized it. and it didn't happen immediately. It happened, you know, months later, but like, you know, there were people that really kind of helped you out. And I think you guys will remember those types of people. I was actually, you know, a good exercise is to, when Dale Jr. got elected into the Hall of Fame uh, for this next class, whenever we're able to do that, we started talking about the speech. And you think, okay, what if you were going into a Hall of Fame and you've got five minutes to thank everybody in your entire life who helped you get there, okay? You start to try to think, okay, who are those people, right? Go through that exercise and you all, you all of a sudden end up with a lot of people. And when you've literally dedicated the time to, oh, that's right, this person, man, I, I actually wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. I mean, wow, that little gesture or that little thing or that little thing here. And next thing you know, you've got a lot of people that helped you out along the way. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's, you know, this or that and the other. But, 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 you know, when you go through the exercise of, I got here today by the help of who, that list, there's a lot of people. And uh, it's something that I, I enjoy doing just in, just not that I'm going, I'm not going into a hall of fame, but it doesn't mean that you can't sit there and go and, and spend some time thinking about if you were go, getting recognized for some honor and you had to thank people, who would those people be? It's kind of fun to do. Yeah. I can only imagine how large the list would be for y'all, especially at this point with junior motorsports and how big dirty mo media has grown at the same time. But we got another question for you. Uh, one of the big reasons we started behind the wall media was to have an outlet to talk about NASCAR and create content and find a way to get other fans into the sport who maybe don't know what NASCAR is, don't have a passion for it, but to show why we love the sport and maybe that they'll come in and realize that, Hey, they like it in the same way. But so we, we really focus on content creation and that's, that's one of the best things about having this media group is because the sky's the limit. You can come up with any kind of content you want, but how has the pandemic affected junior motorsports approach to content creation? Well, I'll rephrase your question for a little bit. Like when it comes to junior motorsports content creation, we certainly do stuff with the entity of junior motorsports, but Dirty Mo Media, like this year, I'm launching podcasts with new podcasts that are other drivers, other race teams, just, just from a growth perspective, I, I don't want to be just pigeonholed into a junior motorsports box. And so what, what I'm trying to make Dirty Mo Media to be is, is uh, something that, you know, we cover a lot more ground than just on this, you know, cul-de-sac here in Mooresville. So, um, but that being said, um, the pandemic, man, we were, it was such a weird situation because we were also, we were shooting a television show. That was hard. You're halfway through a television production, this one called Lost Speedways. And, um, 
you've shot literally 50% of it and then you get quarantined for months and you can't travel anywhere. Um, and so we really, what we had to do is rewrite it. Like we shot most of the tracks, but we had to rewrite our whole approach to that so that, because we knew we weren't going to be able to travel. We didn't know when we were going to be able to go to another track. Um, so what I did, like, I'll give you guys a little bit of, I haven't really told anybody this, but like, did, are y'all familiar with this series by any chance? Yeah, the, the series on Peacock. Did you see it? Yeah, yeah. I've seen, uh, actually, the first time I saw it was during a rain delay where, you know, everyone just kind of wa started watching at the same time. But I was I was intrigued and ended up watching more episodes after so that. The original idea on this Lost Speedways was that um, we were going to showcase several tracks per episode and we were going to use an entire first segment where Dell Jr. and Matthew were going to be sitting together chit-chatting about places they could go and they could um, and, and, they, and they were going to go through this this gamut of racetracks and we were going to sort of show you know photos and videos of these racetracks as we as they're talking and then ultimately by the end of a first segment they sort of come to some conclusion of where they want to go and then they go. All right. So then it's sort of like they go on this trip. All right. That was the plan. But when you, we got quarantined and then the pandemic hit and it looked, you know, like it looked as severe as it was, it's like, okay, we're not going to be going anywhere. So now all of a sudden you've got, first of all, we're one track per episode. <laughs> we don't have multiple tracks per episode. Can't get to them. Uh, we've shot seven tracks. We've got eight episodes. We've shot seven. So we know that we're going to have one track per episode. I still got this problem of an eight, but I'll, I'll cross that bridge when we get there. Let's rewrite the beginning. Now I'm going to, instead of having, I can't have Dale Jr. and Matthew in, a, in the same room because <laughs> social distancing. I mean, like, it, like, again, if you take yourself back to this time a year ago, everybody had the plague i mean like you, if somebody if somebody so much as coughed you're like oh my god i gotta go get tested and um and so it's like you know having them in the same room i mean like i'm sitting there going gosh how are we gonna do i can't do that so now we gotta have dale jr just deliver a cold open like i gotta write out some sort of way to tee up these episodes and then it's gonna get right into an exploration of the track so that was a big adjustment that we did like late in the game and then I still had the problem of this last episode and if you guys watch the series um the last episode is Dale Jr's home it's dirty mo acres his dirt his overgrown dirt track there that was not the plan um our plan was to be out in California the track we were shooting was in San right outside of San Francisco this is all while that cruise ship was, they wouldn't even let it dock. Do y'all remember this? That cruise ship, this is where the, like the very early cases of, of uh, COVID where this cruise ship had all these COVID positive people and they're sick and they won't even let the ship dock. Well, that was right off the coast of San Francisco. They certainly weren't letting flights come in. And um, so we ended up, instead of going to California, we ended up doing this uh, episode at home and I wrote it to be, part of the plan like i've showed you seven racetracks but if you really want to know why this is important to me i got to show you my place here in north carolina and maybe it'll make sense 
you know, and and so I was like, Dale Jr. was like, this is never going to work. This is this is awful. This is never going to work. Nobody cares about this. And I'm like, look, we'll make them care. I mean, listen, you got a cool place. You've got this graveyard with a bunch of race cars in it. I can do something with that. You've got an actual dirt track. If I can get some footage of some of the, the crap y'all used to pull, I can make an episode out of this. Turns out it ended up being a lot of people's favorite episode. So that, like, look, pandemic affected that completely, but I was adamant that we were going to deliver this project on time to the to the buyer, which in this case was NBC and Peacock. And when everybody else in their life was going to let them down, all these big Hollywood production companies and their big shows and their big budgets and all this stuff, and they were going to have to cancel till the fall, or they were going to have to postpone and give the money back, whatever. I wanted us and our little band of misfit uh, you know, content creators to be the ones that actually delivered this thing on time. And we were. We were... When we, when when Peacock launched, I think we were one of only four of the uh, original programs that actually delivered on time and 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 was there for the launch like it was intended. Um, Ryan Lochte had a swim, a, a, a kind of a little documentary that he that was up there, and so, so yeah, and so that's that. Now, as far as the podcasts go. Look, we did what everybody else had to do. We had to go Zoom for a while. Dale couldn't have hated it more, but we all kind of understood. Um, from a uh, advertiser standpoint, um, I think we're starting to, I, I th you know what? I think we're feeling the effects of it a little bit now. There was a lot of advertisers that were locked into their, locked into the podcast. And so as long as we were still doing podcasts, they were sort of locked into it. And I, and I don't know, you know, how much you guys like follow your analytics. I try not to do it at all on, on my end. Um, but, uh, but our analytics didn't really drop off, but um, it might've dipped a little bit, but as far as the advertisers go, they were sort of locked into stuff and we were still producing content. But like now I think there's a little bit of uh you know, anxiety in the, in the market where people are not quite ready to go investing dollars in podcasts uh, right now until they, till these vaccines start playing out a little bit more and until things start to get a little bit more normal. I think we're getting there um, and, and we're doing fine on that. But I think that that's sort of, that, that's ultimately the effect. We ended up, look, as a company in Dirty Mo Media, we turned a profit. It was the same type of profit I was hoping to expect when I budgeted at the beginning of, at the, at the, beginning of the year. And so I had no complaints. We had a project that we were able to sustain and, and, and deliver on time. That's all I wanted to do. What a long answer to that question. Sorry about that. I think the podcast is now over, isn't it? <laughs> nah, that was an awesome answer. And the show was phenomenal. If you wouldn't have told us that, I would have thought that's how it was planned out the whole time. But that's I have a question. That's why I said, <laughs> look, we gotta, we get, look, we can't make excuses. We gotta make this look as if it was the plan all along. That was what we had to do. That's how I wrote it. It's how every line was delivered. And um, and then when we had, and, and real quick, I want to say another thing on that. After the first look at that episode, it wasn't good enough. I'd said, you know what? We, we haven't got it and we need something else. We talk about a Kelly, a fight where Kelly got into a, a fight with another lady during a go-kart match or go-kart race, you know? And I'm like, but I don't have Kelly's voice in this and I don't have, and we don't have footage of it. So, um, 
I need to have Kelly. So we go out like a week before we delivered this thing to Peacock, we went out and reshot it with Kelly. And I thought that added a lot uh, additional perspective in it. And so all those little things ended up making it a really good episode, I felt. That's awesome. So you have the Dale Jr. download, which is a very serious sit-down conversation. And then on a totally other page, you got Door Bumper Clear, which is uh, Freddie, TJ, Brett, all just having a good time pretty much. So you got these two like vastly different podcasts, but where do you see the future of podcasting going? It's definitely changed over the years. I think podcasts are cyclical. I think if you go back and look at the history of podcasts, you know, like uh, when, when ESPN started doing them, it hit a, hit a stride, you know, when comedians started using them, like they, they would plateau a little bit. And then, um, and then when like comedians started getting in and doing them, they hit another stride. And I think it, I think it hits these waves like everything else. Uh, I, I look, this is how I feel about podcasts. As long as they are making automobiles with very podcast friendly and in like where you now, you know, can hit it on your dash or and listen. And as long as there are commutes and as long as there are gyms, like video can't be the only way we deliver content. There's got to be that audio medium. And so what I want us to do is, and, what, and why I like guys like you is like, look, one is you're doing what you're talking about, what you like, you know, who you are, you know, what your identity is, you know, who your audience is. And, and frankly, if you didn't have an audience, would you still do it? Well, in your case, you probably would. Cause this is what you you guys are going to talk about racing anyways. Right. Um, I'm of the thing of like, listen, I don't, the, the Dale Jr. download and door bumper clear. They all have a lifespan. Um, and uh, as long as we're having fun doing it and, and we're getting fulfillment out of it, that's great podcasts themselves though i hope to be making them for a long time different podcasts i just think that they give you uh, uh you know a different type of medium in which you can uh you know appreciate and enjoy things you know some people don't read they they listen to audiobooks some people don't i mean like every there, there's a crowd for everything but the automobiles i'm telling you that that's a big one for podcasts like the you know the fact that I can get into my truck and I'm, I, I drive a half hour to work every day. And that's when like on, on uh, you know, on Tuesday mornings, when I'm literally driving into work to go take the download, I will listen to door bumper clear because uh, you know, maybe I've started it. Maybe, you know, maybe I haven't, but I'm just, I'm listening to it uh, and, and, and hearing it for the first time on Tuesday mornings. As soon as I get to work, I hit pause or I, I, take it off, do the download. I'm, I'll get back to the DBC and listen to the rest of it when I can. Very versatile, very flexible, can, can adapt it around my time. Great for trips, great for flights. You know, it doesn't require a lot of bandwidth, easy to download, doesn't kill your, your memory. I mean, like, like there's, there's so many benefits to it. Yeah, definitely. Well, Mike, thanks for coming out this week and to everyone listening, make sure you go follow him on Twitter. Uh, at Mike Davis 88, absolute blast to follow. And make sure you're tuning in to Dale Jr. Download, Door Bumper Clear, and Lost Speedways. I mean, he's there, Junior Motorsports and Dirty Mo. They're putting out so much great content. And, the, and they'll, get, they'll get you interested in just about anything. But, Mike, thanks for coming out this week. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks to both of you. I, I always enjoy talking to you guys. I hope we do it again. And uh, if you ever need anything, certainly let me know, all right? Certainly. Awesome. Thank you. Not, 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 not.
And that was our interview with the Mike Davis, absolute king. Love the guy. Hope to get him on here real soon once again. I mean, I could talk to him for forever. I don't know about y'all, but uh, let's go ahead and jump into Hot Takes Dark Horses for Phoenix. Little uh, little preview to the championship race later on in the season. Uh, start with you, Adam. Who you got this weekend? Let's see. This weekend, I don't know. It's going to be... It's tough. Um, I'm thinking on my my dark horse. I know my hot take though. Hot takes. I'm thinking it's going to be a complete polar opposite with the season trend that we've had this fall this season so far. Um, I think there's going to be over 15 cautions. I'm going to call it over 15 cautions, and there's going to be a lot of competitive racing, and there's going to be a lot of wrecks, a lot of DNFs, but. The one guy I think that needs to do good, just like he did last week, not I'm surprised no one picked him uh, for being in a hot seat. Matty D. I'm calling him my dark horse this week at Phoenix. All right. Spicy. What about you, Josh? I'm gonna go with Austin Dillon for my dark horse because it's a track. It's a short track, and it's a place where smaller teams could come there and succeed. I think Michael McDowell will have a pretty good spot. He'll be running up front. I'm excited to see him do it. But I think Austin Dillon's going to be one of those not top-tier team drivers that can go up there and ultimately battle for a win. I think him and Tyler Reddick will have a really good day. But hot take. Jeez. Hot takes are hard for this one. Because I was going to go with like the theme of a lot of cautions as Adam was, but since I'm not going to copy hot takes I'm going to say we get, I don't know if it's kind of hot because we've gotten four different winners but I'm going to say the streak continues, we're going to get a fifth different winner and is it gonna? it's probably going to be like one of the big hitting guys, maybe a Chase Elliott or a Denny Hamlin, but I think we're going to get another different winner It's not a bad hot take and I'll say it's not bad because I was thinking the same thing, but I was struggling with whether that was going to be a hot take or not. So I'll let you have that one. I wish, you know, I wish I had the confidence to say it, but I don't. But uh, Dark, Horse this, Dark Horse this weekend, got to go with Bubba Wallace. 23-11 has had a disappointing season thus far ever since uh, Speed Weeks at Daytona. But I, I do think that they're, they're slowly figuring things out. I think that they're going to have a rebound week uh, at Phoenix certainly hope for it just because it's always good to see other drivers in the mix but that kind of plays into my hot take i think out of the top 10 drivers we're going to have three or more drivers from a mid-tier team finish up front and i'll leave i'm not going to name any names because i want this to come true and i don't want to be super wrong but you know i just i feel good about phoenix like like we said earlier short track i mean you can Smaller teams could find a way up to uh, up to the front, so I'm looking forward to that. But thanks for joining us this week. Uh, I'll be back in the home studio next week, so maybe my audio won't won't be near as bad. But uh, thanks for thanks for coming out. Make sure you check out Behind the Wager. Uh, maybe we'll have a DraftKings contest this weekend. Adam is not allowed to set it up. Oh, it's already set up. Because you know, 
Uh, no shot, dude. Looks like it already crashed before the race started. So yeah, no, Adam, you are uh, you're you're suspended from that. But uh, thanks for thanks for joining us this week. Uh, definitely make sure you pay attention to our social media. We'll get that DraftKings contest that is not Adam Thomas certified. Uh, we'll get that out to you probably Thursday morning, Friday morning, somewhere around then. But uh, you know, we'll just have to figure that out. But just just let it be known. Adam has nothing to do with it. Your money is safe. We'll be able to play this weekend, watch the race, win some money, or at least uh, I'll be able to win some money because I got another can't lose lineup coming to you quick. But you're going to have to listen to Behind the Wager for that. But thanks for coming out, and we'll see you next week.